Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Memories are malleable. We've learned a lot about memory over the last several weeks. We know that memory is not a singular item stored in just one location in the brain. Memories are made up of several elements and created from your senses, your emotions, and even the cognitive centers of your mind. And that is the dangerous part. When the logical thinking part of your brain attempts to connect the dots between pieces of memories... As human beings, it's in our nature to make things make sense. Oftentimes, we unknowingly fill in the gaps between what we think are our memories. And when you add a traumatic event to the mix, things get even more complicated. When attempting to recall a traumatic incident, one part of your brain is trying to connect dots, while the other is trying to push back the details. This is precisely the reason that eyewitness testimony is so unreliable. In most cases, an eyewitness to a crime isn't intentionally providing false information. Usually, as a mechanism of protection, the human brain is trying to keep upsetting details out of your memory. Then, when we reach back to recall the details, our brains simply fill in the gaps. A lot of times, this phenomenon is caused by outside influence. All it takes is a suggestion or an overheard conversation for our memories to be reconstructed without our knowledge. And oftentimes, the result of a shifting memory can be devastating. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. In today's episode, you're going to hear what may seem like old news on the surface. We're going to be letting you hear an English translation of Maria Melgar's police statement given to Deputy Garcia on the night that Jim's body was found and Sandy was found in the closet. Pay attention to the details of what she says. And then, after the interview, I'm going to read to you what Maria had to say five years later at the trial. There was a distinct shift in the narrative, which I believe was due to an unconscious shifting of a memory. 
that resulted in confusing what was otherwise a very straightforward element of the case. Here's Maria's interview. Maria is being played by listener Kaylee Bennett, and Logan Berger is playing the role of Deputy Garcia. Garcia Grimm was the recording engineer, and Jenna Harris directed the production. Now listen closely to the only official statement given by Maria Melgar, just four hours after she found Jim in the closet and helped untie Sandy. I'm Deputy F.J. Garcia with the Harris County Sheriff's Office Homicide Unit. Case number is 12-17-6269. Today's date is December the 3rd, 23rd, 2012. It is 8.05 p.m. We are at 9500 Kelsey Metal Court, Harris County, Texas. This interview will be conducted in Spanish. Yes, my name is Maria Del Carmen Melgar. And your date of birth? Okay. And your address? Houston, Texas, 77072. And your phone number? Is that a cell phone or home phone? Cellular. Okay, well, well tell me, ma'am, what happened today? Okay, they had invited us for a dinner today. Who is they? Oh, uh, my brother-in-law. Uh-huh. The one that was killed. Uh-huh. With the wife. Mm-hmm. They invited us for a dinner today. Mm-hmm. So then we had already made plans to come to them. The time was set for four in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And when we came, well, I don't recall if it was after 4.30 or if it was before 4.30 when we came. And we knocked on the door and nobody would open it. So then the, the garage door was open. Mm-hmm. So, well, my husband went to check inside, and I told him, why don't you go in and open the door for us? Mm-hmm. So he said, okay. And he went in through the garage and opened the door for us. Mm-hmm. Well. What? Who? Who went through the garage? Uh, my husband. My husband. What? What's his name? His name is Herman Melgar. Herman with an H. Oh, Herman? Herman Melgar. What is the, his date of birth? Okay. And, well, and who invited you for dinner today? Um, my, my, my brother-in-law, Jaime. Jaime? With his wife. They had invited us for dinner. Jaime what? Jaime Melgar. Melgar? Yes. And, uh, and what is her name? San, uh, San, Sandy Melgar. Is she also from, from, from your country? No, she is from here, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and from, what is your country? Where are you from? From where? From Guatemala. Guatemala? Yes. Okay. And Jaime too? Jaime, I don't recall if he was born there or here. I don't know. That I do not know. Uh-huh. But he, he is, his parents are from over there? Their parents are from over there, yes. Okay. They're all from over there, but they have, they're all citizens. They all live here. Okay. All of them. And he is, is, what is he? To your husband? Brother. He is your husband's brother? Yes, he was the youngest brother. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then, well, they invited you here to their house. And what is the address here? Oh, well, I don't know. You don't know? No, I don't know their address. Okay. Does your husband know it? Yes, he knows it, yes. Okay, but this street, do you know what it's called? No. No? Okay. No, since they're always the ones to drive, they're the ones that come... Uh, no, I've, I've never had any had any interest in the address or the street name. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And do Sandy and Jaime have children? Yes, they have one daughter. Uh-huh. Elizabeth Milgar. Well, she's married now, and I don't know what her married name is. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't remember. Ross? I think it's Ross. Elizabeth Ross. But she's not here. She's in, uh, I don't know if, what part of Europe she lives in. I don't know. How old is she? Oh, she must be like 20, like 29, 28. I'm, I'm not sure, really. Okay, okay. So, so when you got here to the house, well, you said it was around 4? I don't, I don't remember if it was before 4.30 or after 4.30. I, I didn't check the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got there around that time? Mm-hmm. Like at 4.30 and you found the garages? The door open. Door open. Of the garage, yes. And the front door was locked? Yes, it was locked. N- nobody opened the door when you knocked? No, nobody opened. Well, we knocked and knocked on the door and nobody would open. And so then my daughter checked to see if maybe the door was unlocked. Mm-hmm. So then your husband... He went in and he he opened the door for us because they wouldn't come open it for us. Mm-hmm. Then what happened after? So we went in and started saying, hello, hello. So then he heard Sandy, my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. She started yelling, help, help. So my husband, we both looked at each other and we kept going further into the room. And that's when I saw her laying on the, uh, on the, on the carpet, the carpet. And she had her feet tied. Then she said, help, help. Was she yelling or was just saying help? Only help, help, nothing else. But yelling or yelling? Or yelling? Yes, so we could hear her. And where did you find her? In, in a closet laying on the carpet. Uh-huh, where? In what closet? Uh, oh, in a, a closet that's, that's close to where there's a shower, mm-hmm. a tub. Mm-hmm. There's a closet that's close to there. She was in there. A closet in the bathroom? Yes, by there. Mm-hmm. She was in there or was it in the bathroom? No, it was a closet. She was in the closet. Uh-huh. They had her in there, and her feet were tied. And what was she tied with? Uh, with, with one of those, um, one of those scarves that you put around your neck when it's cold. Mm-hmm. What? One of those scarves that you put around here when it's cold, those, uh... Oh, yes, 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 uh, and only her feet were tied, tied with that. Yes, her feet were really tied, and my husband handed me some scissors so I could cut the, the cloth mm-hmm. and untie her. And what color was it? Is the scarf. It was blue. It was, it was colorful. Colorful. Okay. Green, blue, and I don't know what other colors, but I left it there cut. It was cut up. And who? Who cut who cut it? The... Me. Did you cut it? I cut it off with some scissors to untie her. Okay. The scissors, right. Yes. And well, then what happened? No, uh, well, uh, I, I saw the husband that was stuck in the closet... And I saw that he was already dead. That's when I ran out to ask for help. And the lady in, in the front across the street was there playing with the boy. And I said, help, please, call the police, call the police, help. Mm-hmm. And my, my daughters were over here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I think they called as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I ran back in again. And that's when I helped the, the wife get her up from the carpet. Mm-hmm. And, and then she said, where is Jaime? Where is he? Meaning her husband. Mm-hmm. And I did not want her to see him. And she got away from me. And that's when she saw him lying there in the closet, too. Did she see him? She saw him. Okay. She, she, well, well, she, well, how did you see Jaime? How was he when you saw him? How? Oh, my God. He was close. He was in the closet. Uh Uh-huh. Sit. They, they had a, they had left him sitting up Mm -hmm. against the wall. Mm -hmm. And he was injured here. I do not know if it was stabs or gunshots. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they did to him. Yes. 
He had a lot a lot of wounds bleeding all from here. Uh-huh. And I was able to see that his feet were tied too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if his hands too... No, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, and but when you... The, the, the closet was open or closed? It was open. So it was open then? Yes, you could only see his feet. His feet. Okay. That's and, when I saw him. And when you noticed, you saw his feet and you noticed he was sitting. How? Yes, he was sitting up. Like this? Sitting up? Like that. Okay, okay. And he wounded in his chest, you said? Yes. And well, and he wasn't? He was already dead? Was not? Was not? Definitely. Okay. And so, and you saw him then? You said you went outside to ask for help? Yes. Okay. And that's when the neighbor... The neighbor called, I think, and my... I told my daughters to call as well. Mm-hmm. And what's the neighbor's name? I don't know. I don't know her. Okay. I don't know. The the lady across the street, I don't know. And you told her to call 911 and the police. I just said, help, help, please call the police, call the police. So she was sitting in the truck and she got out and I think she called because I ran back in again to help my, my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law, you could say. Yes. Okay. And how was she dressed when... When you found her. Oh, she, uh, she only had on bloomers. She had on what? Her bloomers, her, her, her underwear. Oh, underwear. Okay. She had that on, and I think she had her nightgown, her, mm-hmm. her nightgown. I think she had on, and so I helped her get up, and... And what is it? What is gown? Like a blouse? No, it's something to sleep in, this. To sleep? Pajamas? Pajamas, yes. Like pajamas, but only it's like a dress. In a blouse. I don't know if it was a robe, what she had on. and mm-hmm. When? When you found her tied, that's what she had on? Yes. Okay. What color is the robe? I think it's black. It was black? Okay. Okay, and she was tied from her feet? Yes. Okay. Only? Uh, um, uh, well, my husband can tell you if she was tied only at her feet, because he was the first one to see her when he went in. Okay. Uh, but I don't know if she had her hands tied and he helped her, or if only her feet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. That I do not know. Okay, and does your husband speak English? No, he speaks Spanish, too. Mm-hmm. No? Okay, okay. And who came with you? Uh, we came... Uh, they invited my two daughters. What are their names? Marissa Melgar came. How do you spell Marissa? M-A-R-I-S-S. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ¿Cuántos años tiene Marisa? 21. Okay. ¿Y Mónica? Mónica. Monica Melgar. Okay. Monica Melgar. Yes. How old is Marissa? 21. Okay, and what did you say? Monica. Monica. Monica Melgar, 18 years old. Okay. It was my husband. Mm-hmm. My husband, the, the, the my daughter's boyfriend, whom is... Which daughter? Marissa. Mm-hmm. What is his name? Gerson. Gerson with a G as in Gato. Gerson Campos. Okay. He came with us in their baby, Melanie. Gerson. G-E-R-O-E-O-S-O-N? S-O-N. What is his last name? Campos. Campos. How old is he? I think he's 22, I think. Almost my daughter's age. Okay. I mean, he's 22 or 23, I don't know. He is the baby's daddy that was with us, too. Who is the baby? The baby is Melanie. Melanie Campos. How did you spell Melanie? M. E-L-A-N-I-E. Melanie. Okay. Compost. How old is she? She is 10 months. 10 months. Okay. And your husband and you? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my two daughters. The father of the baby, the baby, and my husband and I. Okay. I don't know if they had more. If they invited other people or only us, that I do not know. Okay. And, And what did she say? What did she say? Did you ask Sandy what happened? Yes, but she couldn't speak. She was very, very nervous. Yes? Well, yes. No, she only said, where is Jaime, where is Jaime, meaning the husband. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want her to see how he was because I know she is sick as well. And But then I, she saw him as well and she started to cry. But we didn't ask her too many questions because I wanted to calm her down because she was crying. And how? How did she see him? Well, she got scared when she saw him, and she started crying and screaming, and I was trying to calm her. But you said you didn't, didn't, that you didn't want, didn't see him, for her to see him. Oh, yes, but she she got away from me either way and went back to look for him. And where did she go see him? I mean, she got up from where I had her in the closet. I picked her up. Mm-hmm. I helped her up, her and she, um, she saw that he was in the closet since she saw his feet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want... Well, for her to go to that side of the closet because I didn't want her to see him. Yes. Then I couldn't, we couldn't ask her anything Mm -hmm. because she started to to cry. Mm -hmm. And we tried to calm her and... Okay, so, and so... And I helped her get dressed because we told her we had already called the police. We called, they're going to come, and we're going to help you get dressed. And what did she wear? What did she wear? I put on her bloomer um, and underwear... I put on her underwear because I took off the one she was wearing because she had urinated. Oh, okay. I took off the one she had. I put on her some, like, brown ones. Uh-huh. Or beige, and then uh-huh. I put her jeans on. Uh-huh. I helped her button the jeans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So then, well, she she didn't tell you what happened? No, no, because the way she was 
Well, she couldn't. What was she doing? She was crying. She was crying? Crying, yes. So then we didn't want to ask her any questions, so we just told her to calm down, that the police had already called, and just just to calm. And did did you help her put on her, you call them the, the bloomers? The... Yes, her bloomers. I helped her take off, I helped her, the one she had, and yeah, huh? I put her on another because she had urinated. Yes. So then I, I put her on another, and... And I put her jeans on, a pair of jeans. Okay. I put her on blue jeans. Uh Uh-huh. So by that time, the police arrived, and they took me outside, and I don't know what else else happened. Did the police arrive quickly? Well, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, and they took you outside. The police took everyone outside. Me, yes. Me. Uh Uh-huh, they took me outside. Okay, and where is your purse, and what part? I think I left it on one of the sofas. One of the sofas. And my, my phone. Uh-huh. Maybe between the between the hallway and the bedroom towards the closet. Because when I leaned down to help her and to console her and everything, okay. maybe it fell right there because I had it in my back pants pocket. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, it fell. You didn't take it out? It fell. No, no, it fell. Okay, okay. Very good. Well, how were they as a couple? Did, did they seem fine? Oh, very good. Yes? Excellent couple. Very well. Do they love each other a lot? Oh, yes. A lot. Yes. Okay. Well, do you know if she had a boyfriend? Oh, I don't know that. No? No. Not that I ever knew. Or did he have a girlfriend? No. I never knew their private life. No? Okay. You didn't know. Maybe your husband knows Mm. about that. Well, it's possible. I don't know unless you ask him, but I don't think so. No? I don't know. I'm just asking if... If there had been... <laughs> yes, I, no, I don't know. Any problems with them, with something, no? I don't think so. They've always been happy. They always had their religion, their Jehovah's Witness. Okay. But I don't think so, not that I know of. Okay, so so where's the, the, the scissors that we're used to? They're where there's a, there's a dresser, mm-hmm. a piece of furniture on the way to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. On the way to the bathroom, and I, I think that's where I put them. I put them on top, on top of the dresser. The dresser. Yes. In the uh, in the in the in the bedroom or in the bathroom. No, no, no. The is the dresser in the bedroom or in the bathroom? In the bedroom. It's it's because I don't know if it's in if it's a bedroom there. I didn't get to see how it is, but there's a there's a shower like a tub to bathe. Yes. Yes. And right to the side, there's a furniture piece. Uh-huh. So that's where I put the scissors. What color are the scissors? Uh, the the loops are are orange. Orange. Okay. Orange, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And those, with those, I used to cut the cloth that she had tied. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, so did you all start cleaning or anything like that? No, no. No, no? Okay, okay. We didn't touch anything. You didn't touch anything, and, and so... No, nothing. Before the police got here, where were you all? Did you stay in the bedroom, or were you in the living room? I was, I, my, my husband, I think, was there with us. I think, but I can't remember if he was with us or within the living room. But I was trying to help her, to console her and everything. And where were you? And we were inside the, the room. In the bedroom? In the bedroom. Uh, I think it is a bedroom there. <laughs> I don't remember. Yes. So I was there keeping control. In the closet where he was, was that the bedroom closet? Yes, because there's two closets. Was There's one where he, where they had him. Yes. And there's another closet where she was tied up. Yes, in the bathroom. It's the bathroom closet. Okay, so she was in there. Mm-hmm. And that's when when I came out. I don't remember why I came out, but I came out to 
to ask for help? No, I had already asked for help. Okay. You had already asked for help. I had already asked for help in everything. But I came out to see what they were doing with my daughters, right? To see if they were okay. Mm -hmm. Because I saw that they had started crying. Yes. So then I saw the police. All the police was already there. They were coming in. They were coming in. Okay. And who saw? Who saw Jaime? It was me. Me. You and who else? My husband. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know if my daughters saw him. Saw him. You don't know? I don't know. I don't know if they saw. Okay. You and your husband, Sandy. And Sandy. And your daughters, you don't know if they saw her? If they saw him? I don't know if they saw. I don't. And Gerson? Uh, I don't know if he saw. You don't know? I didn't notice. Okay. I didn't notice because I was taking care of her. Okay. So you said there was no problems with them that you know of? That I know of, no. Okay. They were always a couple very... Okay, okay. Very good, yes. Mm -hmm. The daughter, well, the daughter is not here with them, but... Mm -hmm. They have always gotten along. Well, they've had a good relationship. Yes. Are you also a Jehovah's Witness? No, not me. Just them? Just them. Okay. Yes. Okay. Is there something I haven't asked you that you know of that may help me with this investigation? Mm, No. What do you think happened today? That's what I've been thinking about all night. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know the reason. I don't know why. Maybe I I don't know. It could be some of those delinquents that that are looking around. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I do not know is if they had already had the garage door open, Mm -hmm. or if the delinquents opened it. Yes. That I do not know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. The time is 8.29. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the opening of this episode, I talked a lot about memory and how it has a tendency to shift over time. Two things jumped out at me when I was listening to Maria's interview. The first being the fact that in this statement, Maria says that she did not help remove Sandy's arm bindings, only her leg bindings. This is in direct contrast with what she told me last summer. If you recall, during that interview, both Herman and Maria stated that Herman tried to untie the bindings, Sandy told Herman where to find a pair of scissors, he made a couple of cuts and then handed the scissors off to Maria, who then finished cutting off the arm bindings and then removed the leg bindings. But when we go all the way back to the beginning, on the night of, Maria says that she didn't remove the bindings from Sandy's arms. So which statement is accurate? Let's look at what Herman and Maria had to say in their statements on that night. Last week, we heard Herman say that he removed the bindings from Sandy's arms and then directed Maria to use the scissors to remove the leg bindings. Now, when I heard this, I thought, well, maybe he just breezed by that step in the process. Maybe a little further prodding by Garcia would have revealed that Maria did, in fact, finish removing the bindings from the arms. But then I listened to Maria's statement. When asked if Sandy's hands were tied, she says, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't know if her hands were tied. You'd have to ask my husband about that. 
That statement is pretty telling. It's not as though the arm bindings never came up or Maria forgot to mention them. She was specifically asked about them and she unequivocally stated that she didn't even know if her arms or hands were bound at all. She said you would have to ask Herman. Had she gotten the color of the bindings wrong or something along those lines, then I would think that she did in fact take part in removing them. She just missed or forgot some details, which is normal. But the fact that she doesn't even know if her arms were bound tells me that the arm bindings had already been removed by the time she got to the closet. Remember, she was the first to find Jim. Then she went outside and told the neighbors to call the police. Then she went back in and found Herman and Sandy in the bathroom closet. The evidence is pretty clear that during that time, Herman had most likely already completely removed the arm bindings. I want to be clear here. In no way do I think Herman or Maria are lying. I think that this was a traumatic event. Things were happening very quickly, and over the years, discussions and assumptions led to shifting of their memories. As I described earlier, I think Maria's brain filled in the gaps with details that never actually existed. The same thing happened with the garage door. When I spoke with Marissa, Gerson, and Maria, they were all 100% convinced that the garage door was only partially opened when they arrived, and Herman lifted it the rest of the way to get into the house. And then Herman entered the room, and I asked him. He was convinced that the door was all the way open, and he just walked through it. It was actually really amazing to watch. Everyone else in the family was certain, without a shadow of a doubt, that that door was only half open. But as we discussed the situation further, we all realized that it couldn't have been halfway open. The door had an automatic opener. You can't just push it up the rest of the way. It would have been locked into place. And Herman is disabled, and surely he didn't crawl under the door. Not to mention the witness statements that said the door was fully open from as early as 7 a.m. But the entire family, everyone who was there besides Herman, was sure that the door wasn't open all the way. It's mass misremembering. If you ever feel like having your mind blown and potentially ruining your day, look up the Mandela Effect online. Remember that iconic scene in Star Wars where Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Well, guess what? Vader never said that. And yet millions of people from around the world have been reciting that line for decades. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. I don't believe that Maria touched or even saw Sandy's arm bindings. And I think that most of you would probably agree with me at this point. So that leaves exactly and precisely one person who knows how Sandy Melgar was tied up in her closet. And that one person is, of course, Herman Melgar. Literally, not one other soul on this planet knows how her arms were bound. Not even Sandy. She may have an idea, but she couldn't see behind her back. Unfortunately, Deputy Garcia never asked Herman to describe exactly how Sandy was tied up. The closest we come to an answer in Herman's interview is when he says that she was tied up, quote, with her arms towards the back, end quote. And to be clear, I don't really fault Garcia for not asking the right questions here. It's clear from the interview that he knows very little about the crime scene, and I suspect he was tapped to conduct the interviews solely because he was bilingual. And aside from that, anyone would assume that the detectives investigating the case would perform follow-up interviews later, once they knew more. 
This is what Herman had to say at trial about Sandy's arm bindings. From the transcript. She was lying on the floor with her back towards the door and tied with her two arms in the back and her legs tied as well. Max Seacrest. Could you clearly see her arms and her wrist, if you will, behind her back? Herman. Yes, they were in this position, behind her back. In this position. So it's obviously not in the transcript, but I've been told by several people who were in the courtroom at this moment, including a jury member, that Herman demonstrated Sandy's arm position here in the same way that he demonstrated it to me last summer. With her arms parallel to each other, wrist to elbow and elbow to wrist, and bound with several loops between the wrists and elbows. And then after this, Allison Seacrest stepped up and helped with the demonstration with her own arms. So, to answer a question that a lot of you have, yes, the jury saw, from Herman, how Sandy was bound during trial. But this is where things get confusing. Now, remember in Herman's police statement, he said that he cut the bindings from Sandy's arms and then passed the scissors off to Maria to remove the leg bindings. His trial testimony is consistent with that statement. From the transcript. From Mac. And let's be clear about that. Were you the only one who was actually able to get Sandy untied at the wrist and untied at the arms? Herman. I began to try to untie the ties. Mac. And you tried to untie ties that were, that she was tied up with her hands and her arms or the ties that she was tied at the ankles? Herman. Yes, no, no. I started at the ones at her arms. Okay, and were you able to untie them? No, they were very well tied. And any question about that as you sit here today concerning how well tied they were? Answer. They were very well tied. Herman goes on to say that Maria was standing right behind him during all of this. And that's what he thought, but in reality, Maria had seen Jim's feet sticking out of the closet, and she investigated, saw Jim's body, ran outside, and then back into the bathroom. And that's when she was standing behind Herman. Now back to the transcript. Mac. So are you actually in the closet then with Sandy and with Maria? Herman. Yes, Maria was at the door behind me. Mac. At some point then, did Maria get involved with trying to free Sandy? Herman. Whenever I began to cut the ties, I made, like, two snips, and I said to my wife, finish untying her because I'm going to look for my brother, I told her. I went out, I went out all the way to the street. So... Herman doesn't actually contradict his police statement. In 2012, he told Garcia that he cut Sandy's arm bindings and then handed the scissors off to Maria to remove the leg bindings. At trial in 2017, he says that he made two snips with the scissors and then handed them off to Maria to finish freeing Sandy. He never says that Maria cut the arm bindings. But Maria does. This is how Maria remembered things at trial. From the transcript. And by then, my husband had already opened the door and he was already trying to untie her. And then, but since he wasn't able to because his arm isn't right, his arm doesn't work right, and so I got there and he said, you finish untying her, and I'm going to look for my brother. I already knew, but I didn't want to tell him. So I grabbed the scissors and finished. I finished cutting from her arms and her feet. Barnett never cross-examined Herman. But during Maria's testimony, during recross, she had Maria stand up and demonstrate to the jury how Sandy was bound. And this is where the confusion came in. Remember that Maria likely is dealing with a fragmented false memory here. 
you heard her in her police interview. When she was asked if Sandy's arms were bound, she said, I don't know, you would have to ask my husband. I would suggest that by 2017, she thinks that she remembers something that she never actually saw. And this is why I say that. During recross, she describes Sandy as being bound in an impossible way. She describes the bruising on Sandy's forearms, and she says that the bindings were wrapped from her wrist to almost her elbows, which is accurate. But she does not accurately describe how her arms were positioned. From the transcript. Barnett, can you show me how the arms were? Maria, she's demonstrating, like this. Barnett, and so you have your fists together and your hands together. Maria, she had her hands like this, together. If you weren't following that, Maria demonstrated the arm position as though Sandy's arms were behind her back, pointed down with her wrists together. And the bindings themselves, which she describes as cords, going around multiple times from her wrists up to her elbows. But here's the problem with that. It's nearly impossible to tie someone up in that matter. Try to act this out. Put your wrists together behind your caboose. Now try to force your elbows together without separating your wrists. Now, maybe if you're double-jointed, you can pull that off, but it's not likely, even with someone forcing your elbows together. Maria was figuring this out while she was testifying. From the transcript, Barnett. Okay, so you would say that, and I'm touching your arm, is that okay? So you would say the cords, and you're holding your hands apart as it is. Maria. Pardon me, it's just that I can't reach. They must have stretched her arms because they tied her so much. Let's just assume for a minute that it was possible to get Sandy's arms into that position. Wrists and elbows together, hands pointed down behind her back. And she was bound with multiple loops from her wrists to her elbows. Your forearms are thicker than your wrists. It would be simple to just spread your arms out and force the bindings down, which would cause them to loosen and presto, you're out. It would be even easier if there was someone else trying to untie you. Just push the bindings down back over your hands. You wouldn't even have to untie them. There's just no way that this is how Sandy was tied up. And I think it's pretty clear from the evidence presented today that Maria never actually saw the bindings to begin with. I believe very much that Maria believes this is what she remembers. But the fact is, that this is a false memory. And it caused some problems for Sandy. A little while back, I spoke to one of the jurors in this case. This individual wanted to stay off the record, so I won't name them or quote them. I will say this, however, that after speaking to this juror, I knew that Herman and Maria demonstrated Sandy's arm position in different ways. And I know the jury was confused about it and basically had to choose which one to believe. Based on the verdict, I think they believe Maria. All of this could have been avoided if Carazal and Doucet had just bothered to interview Herman and Maria after they had all the evidence and knew the right questions to ask. I believe that had they asked Maria closer to the time of the murder about the bindings, it's far more likely that her memory would not yet have been influenced and she would have put into the record and likely solidified her memory that she never saw how Sandy was bound. Aside from all the confusion with Sandy's bindings, Maria did provide us with some valuable insight in her statement. 
She told Garcia that she couldn't talk to Sandy after she discovered Jim because she was too hysterical. According to Maria, Sandy was crying so hard that she couldn't speak. That was Maria's observation of Sandy. What does everyone else have to say? After Maria helped Sandy to change her underwear and get dressed, there were two women who were the first non-family members to interact with Sandy that night. Medical first responder Stephanie Roberts and Harris County Deputy Jennifer Martinez. What were their opinions of Sandy's behavior? That's next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 6 logo was also created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our banner images and type font across all of our logos was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Britta Bliss, Sarah Colby, Rachel Timberman, and Liz Rose. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $1 per month, and we also have reward levels on the Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. But the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at truthjusticepod, and my personal Twitter handle is at Truth. And for more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at truthjusticepod. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.